Welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barger, and today we have with us Vivian Garness, the CEO and co-founder of Upfluence again. On the last episode, we talked about Upfluence and how it has evolved since the initial days. On today's episode, we're going to talk more about the future of the platform and how to leverage influencer marketing for e-commerce growth. What makes Upfluence different than like other influencer marketing platforms? Yeah, I think I love this question. I think if you go on Crunchbase, which is the, the Bible for uh, for startups, if you type influencer, I think now there's 1,000 results, like something ridiculous like that. And when you look at uh, some of them, there's a lot of specialists in that space, you know, companies who will do only Instagram, only Latin America, only the beauty industry or whatever it is, right? And there's only, I'd say, a dozen or big-ish players who are generalists, true generalists, who offer a truly agnostic approach to, to this. Um, so what makes us stand out from these crowd? I would say two things at the very beginning and at the very end of the chain. The very beginning, I mentioned influencer discovery. The traditional way is to reach out to influencers, right? To have some sort of an outbound discovery. Me, the brand, will reach out to you, the influencer. I'll pitch you my value proposition, whatever it is. I'll try to convince you to uh, sign up for my program and, and to work with me, right? That's the old way. And uh, well, it, it works quite well to a degree, especially where just starting off is you know, not exactly a lot of uh, room for improvement and a lot of choices. What we've started to do and it works great is to do that it's an, in an inbound capacity, meaning I identify amongst the people who already gravitate around my brand, who's influential and I reach out to them specifically. Right? And the way it looks like is something like this. If you start on upfront, the first thing we're going to do is to connect, uh, you know, to integrate with your uh, system of records. So it could be your Shopify store, your WooCommerce, your Klaviyo, wherever it is that your client information lives. And we're going to basically cross-reference with our influencer database to have this, what we call influencer reveal, but basically to identify the influencers in your network already. And uh, that doesn't sound like a dramatic change, but it actually is uh, in, at a couple of different levels. Number one, these people are a lot more likely to work with you than if you were reaching out to them out of the blue. So that's you know a best you, better use of your time, number one. Number two, when you do work with them, they tend to be significantly cheaper or even you know accept to work for free because they love your brand, they have worked with you for some, they have, sorry, spend their own money to buy your products sometimes for many years. Um, because they already have your products, sometimes you don't even have to ship it or you can afford to pay a little more because you know you're already all right positive on, on that relationship specifically. But last but not least, one of the issues in the industry probably is uh, authenticity, you know, where a lot of uh, influencers get a bad rep for, you know, just uh, using and abusing uh, brand partnerships. And here, if you work with people who have loved your brand for a certain amount of time, who have spent their own money to purchase your products, this is as sincere as you can get, right? And their content is going to be super genuine as a result. And what you're going to get as an output is a better performance. So just by tweaking this at the very beginning of the chain, we essentially play on both sides of the ROI equation. You know, we maximize the output, the returns, and we minimize the costs, sort of the investment, uh, you know, the investments in time, the overheads, but also the investment that you pay to the creators themselves, right? So step number one, the inbound sort of influencer identification, game changer. And at the end of the process, there's only a handful of companies in the space that really uh, take a stab at sales attribution, right? And so here, still via the integrations that we have with CMSs, Shopify, WooCommerce, what have you, we can create custom coupon codes, we can create sales tracking links. In essence, we can create sales tracking programs so that we know at the influencer level, that guy has uh, generated X conversions, YGMV, ZRI, and so on and so forth. And so the way it changes is that our clients can have very 
how I driven way to work with influencers saying, oh, these guys are positive. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll work with them every month uh, for the rest of my life. And these guys are not ROI positive. I'm going to remove them from my program and you know, onboard new ones and so forth. And um, the last sort of uh, thing that's really cool with this is that not only do we do that influencer identification uh, retroactively, we'll also do it on an ongoing basis. So if every day you have you know, 100 clients, we are going to identify two, three, four, five new influencers every day, right? So that your program, you know, it's pretty much on autopilot. It, it keeps uh, keeps on growing. Uh, and yeah, that's truly what makes us stand out, I would say. I love it. So there's there's something that I like and there's something that I don't like about this. And I'll tell you. So what I like about it is that you're going after your own audience. What I don't like is that used to always be my secret sauce with my clients. It was like, hey, look at the people that already love you. Like, right. why would you not tap into, you got a thousand followers. Like you've got some people in there that, already want to be an ambassador that, that follow you for a reason, right? There's, there's a million options to follow people on Instagram or wherever and tap yeah. into those people. I used to always tell people that. So now the cat's out of the bag. You just gave up my big secret. It's okay. I, well, I'll, I'll forgive you this time. But, you know, I just, I, I was like, man, but that's usually that's what I tell people. It's the lowest hanging fruit. Like why you, it takes you 10 times harder to go and find a brand new person and get them excited about it when they're being pitched by 20 different brands that are offering a higher commission or more of this or a bonus or whatever that is. When you have these people that have clearly told you by following you that, Hey, listen, I like, and if they're already commenting and writing about, you know, your, your stuff, like that's an instant ambassador or, you know, somebody that it's already vouching for your product. It's like, why, you know, why go and reinvent the wheel and go to try to find somebody new when you have these people. So I love that. I think the fact I haven't heard of anybody tapping into it that way of saying, hey, like, why you're ignoring the people that are right here tapping on your on your leg and saying, hey, we love you. Like, we would like to be able to, to, to do something further with you. So I love that. And then obviously, attribution, always a hard thing, right? Like, I mean, that's always been the big issue with social media. And the same thing with influencer marketing. How do I know that, that it's coming back and, you know, if I'm spending $1,000 or $10,000, how do I know that's making money? So I love that you guys are doing that. I think that's a, when, when, it's funny when I would tell clients, hey, like go after the people that are currently following you, everybody would have that aha moment. Like, I didn't even think of that, you yeah. know, because you always think outside of your circle, like, oh, I got to yeah, grab these people. But it's like, wait a second, you, you've got this pot of gold here that you need to tap into. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd love that you guys are doing that. So you, you also talked about Punchbase a little earlier. So you guys, and you guys have been doing this almost 10 years, you guys bootstrapped, you guys funded, what did you guys? So um, I want to say a bit of both. Um, we've been definitely super capital efficient. We did raise a little bit. We, we did the uh, $3 million Series A in 2018. But now, you know, if, I don't know if your audience is familiar with the ARR, the annual run rate, which is sort of your recurring revenue uh, annualized. Um, we're well into the eight figures now. So our uh, capital rates to ARR ratio is really a through, through the roof, right, uh, in that sense. Congratulations. That's awesome, man. That's, that's Thank nothing you. to that. I mean, I know how ARR, it's not easy. And then once you get it going, it's, you know, you got to keep it moving. But once again, you guys have been doing this for a long time and you guys are in the eight figures. So that makes sense. It shows that you guys, I'm glad you guys met in college, man. It looks like you guys yeah. are way better than neckties, right? Last time I checked, <laughs> these are way better. Let me take a quick break to talk to my listeners. At ShaneBarker.com, we offer a variety of services that can help you boost your online presence, generate more traffic, and boost your revenue. You can reach out to my team for a quote or check out my website at ShaneBarker.com. That's S-H-A-N-E. B-A-R-K-E-R.com for more information. So what does the future look like for Upfluence? I mean, you guys are obviously been around for, like I said, 10 years. Yeah. You guys are obviously got great ARR. I mean, you know, good things are happening for you guys. What does the future look like? What do you, anything yeah. that you can, any, you don't need to tell secrets or anything like that, but is there anything 
fund that you like, what is, what is the, what does the roadmap look like? Yeah, of course. So um, philosophically, there's uh, I think there's two things that you need to have for a MarTech company to really win on any space. And one we just discussed, attribution. So being able to prove your ROI to your clients because you know, the grass is always greener. If you can't prove the value of your product, you know, marketers are going to shop elsewhere. That's uh, only natural. But the other one is automation. You know, when you look at all the great success in, Mar in the MarTech space, uh, you know, the, the old, uh, oldies but goodies, the HubSpot, the Pardot, Loqua, you know, all these uh, solutions. And more recently, you know, the Yodpos, the, um, the Clavios, you know, fantastic companies. All of them have a huge component of their product that's automation. How do I save time from a process that's very tedious to something that's for my clients to focus more of their time where it matters, right? And so these are going to be very much where we uh, we invest. The goal being to really make you know social commerce to turn it into sort of a, a cash machine on autopilot, right? It's something that generate revenues, uh, generates revenue, but that doesn't require that much manual input from you. So philosophically, I would say that's the, the roadmap like, but there's uh, more to what we talked about. There's this idea, I, I don't know if it translates very well, but of ubiquitous influence, meaning influencers are everywhere, right? They're already in your network, they're, but they're, you know, they're people, they're literally everywhere. And how do we tap into, you know, all the places that are, you know, not necessarily uh, thought about very much. You know, let's say you, you talked about the wine store. Uh, in, in France when you were on your way back. Let's say you're the owner of that uh, one store, so hopefully you'll be nicer to your customers. But let's assume that you know every time someone swipes their credit card in your store because they're already in your CRM, you know, we can do that influencer matching exercise directly on your point of sale system. We can pop a notification that, hey, actually, this is PewDiePie who's buying wine for you. Uh, you know, that you should find a, a free bottle and uh, try to get on his next video. And, you know, these kind of little things to bring influence uh, offline, which I think is a fantastic uh, idea. And, um, you know, there's an infinity of other use cases, right? Let's assume you're a customer support rep for a very large brand. Every day in the morning when you show up to, to work, you have a hundred customer tickets to to go through. How do you know, uh, you know, if there's Kim Kardashian among, among these guys, right? And how do you know to whom to give the, the VIP treatment, so to speak, and uh, to turn a potential PR crisis into an opportunity? So, you know, all these little preliminaries of influence um, in what we call uh, ubiquitous influence, I think would be uh, would be really cool. And uh, just as last note, I think the, uh, the future uh, looks like growth for us. You know, we're on a trajectory where we double in size every year. We are going to try very hard to keep doing that. And, um, and yeah, that's, uh, that's what the future looks like for us. That's awesome. I love that. I think that that makes total sense, right? It's like, hey, you know, it's like, what do you need to do to find out that the people that are inquiring with you, that there's this opportunity for a deeper partnership, right? And how do you know when somebody gets a hold, a hold of you? It's like, you don't really know what that opportunity is, right? And mm -hmm. so I, I love that. I think that I think there is that like, you know, it's like everybody has some type of influence. And, and how do you tap into that? Right. And, and figuring out what the level is of their influence. And so that can be, you know, treating them a little extra, putting the extra chocolates on their pillow or about a free bottle of wine or whatever. Like, how do you, Absolutely. you know, yeah. it's like, how do you, so that you potentially can get out there and once again, get more exposure from that. So I love that. So I want to talk about, I definitely want to talk about influencer marketing, e-commerce growth, right? Cause you talked about mm -hmm. social commerce. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's a, obviously a, a big part of, you know, especially with e-commerce going crazy over the last year or two because of COVID and everybody's saying more butts and seats and people are buying stuff. We've seen a huge mm -hmm. influx there. But let's talk about influencer marketing and it being like an integral part of the e-commerce growth strategy. Like, what do you think 
Like how realistic do you think that is for e-commerce that you have, you have some type of an influencer play there? Yeah, absolutely. So the beauty of that influencer marketing is that it can play a different um, strategies that you have as a global part of your uh, e-commerce growth plans, right? Because influencers can be used to generate traffic. They can be used to, uh, you know, improve conversions, uh, providing you know, great content, great testimonials, and so on and so forth. They can be used, you know, to send to your existing customers to uh, in- improve repeat purchase. And, you know, it, it's really a, a, a trail of breadcrumbs that should be all across your strategy, right? And, and there's several things that you can do as a result. But what's working very well and increasingly well um, in the past is um, influencers are not just here to publish beautiful pictures on Instagram and, uh, and, you know, and drive some likes and uh, that's the end of it. It's easier and easier with each passing day to prove their ability to generate traffic to your site, to generate conversions and so on, right? And that's re- really what we're trying to, to nail at the moment is, you know, how do you propose the right um, custom uh, coupon codes to the right people so you can actually attribute these sales to that creator specifically? How are things different on Instagram that they are on TikTok and on YouTube and, and all these different strategies and so on and so forth, right? So um, that's definitely the... I would say item number one. Item number two being how much freedom do you want to uh, give to the creators in your e-commerce strategy uh, on an editorial basis, right? I I like to think about this as a spectrum and there are two extremities. One extremity is absolute control to the brand, meaning uh, nothing uh, gets out without my approval, my boss's approval, my boss's boss approval. Uh, There's a 10-page brief, there's a 20-page agreement that, uh, you know, and uh, this this is how it's going to work. Of course, as an output, it's always on message, but, you know, there are some drawbacks as well. Uh, You know, creators tend to know their audience and, you know, it shows when they use someone else's words and, you know, someone else's message. And so on the overhand of the spectrum, this is, uh, you know, the laissez-faire strategy, right? It's where you send a product to the influencer, he does whatever he wants. You know, he can uh, criticize your product for all you hear, you know, like, that's it, right? And um, most clients find the truth somewhere in between, but, uh, you know, that's sort of the, the spectrum that, that we like to see. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of the, the thing is that, if, you know, we talk about brands that, you know, and I've done this in the past. I don't do tons of managed campaigns anymore, but... Mm-hmm. Where I would have brands that were just so strict, and it's like, listen, you're, you're yeah. the, this influencer knows what kind of content their audience likes, and here you are telling them it has to be a certain way. And you're you're not just probably not going to get the ROI you're looking for because you're holding back. Now you don't necessarily want them; they don't need to have necessarily full full reign. You can have you know have a, at least a brief so you have some idea of what needs yeah. to happen, some ideas, but still keep the creativity alive, right? There's a reason you keep their content, right? You got to yeah. be able to do that. So. You know, you talked a little bit about coupon codes and some other stuff. You also talked about attribution. So how does, I mean, does influencer marketing, can it drive e-commerce sales? I mean, I, you know, I know the answer to this, but I wanted to get your opinion on it. So 100%, and I think it's going to be more and more the case every passing day. And I think one telltale sign that's really strong is uh, the strategy of the platforms themselves. You know, we've seen Instagram checkout, you know, TikTok shopping, and all these guys are trying to implement tools for brands to sell online directly to the audience. But these tools are going to be able to be leveraged by third parties as well, some of which could be influencers. So, you know, we could imagine 
influencers selling natively in, in, in their post, right, uh, directly uh, for someone else by being connected with our CMS directly via Instagram checkout, for example. And, uh, you know, you, you've seen this, the, the purchase experience is crazy. Uh, as long as you've already entered your credit card information, your shipping address, it's virtually two clicks and that's it, right? Um, so I do believe it's going to be super powerful and incredible combination uh, between creators and, and what the platforms have to offer in that sense. Yeah, um, I'm in full agreement with you. I think it's only at the beginning stages, right? I think it's going to be, yeah. and I think you kind of talked about that a little bit of the segmentation and personalization on on certain coupon codes or certain offers that you're giving to certain people in certain platforms. And really, mm -hmm. I think that's going to be the value of this is like, hey, we're offering this across five platforms or whatever, free platforms, but it's actually personalizing for each of the platforms with your audience. And there's going to be a lot of that customization, I think, that is going to be real interesting where you're really, really drilling down because Right now, it's kind of like email marketing. Like we would always send out an email to everybody, right? We didn't really segment it. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, this person came in about learning, want to learn about SEO and you're sending them influencer marketing stuff. There's a disconnect there. We need to, to, to you once again, do that differently. And so I think yeah. that's having content that, that goes better with an audience or an offer that goes better with a certain type of audience or platform, I think is interesting. I think that that is the future. So what is, so we talk, you know, I, and I, we throw this term around social commerce. And I'd like to get your your definition of what social commerce is, because I think we talk about it and I think about it, my audience and I'm like, oh, well, maybe they don't know what social commerce is. I think it's probably important to define it. Yeah, I might be looking at this in a very uh, oversimplified vision, but it's any sales you can generate on social media, right? Like uh, that's very much how, how I like to see it, um, which is in fairness, very new, right? Uh, you know, of course, uh, social media platforms have sort of sprouted into existence 15 years ago or more recently for TikTok and, and whatnot. But, you know, it's it's one thing to do ads to try to do sales, but it's another thing to have content, you know, published organically by people that, you know, generate sales directly in app as well, you know, without having to exit the social media platform to your, your website. And um, I think that's quite a big change. And, you know, a few years from now, we could imagine... Uh, Having an e-commerce brand without an e-commerce website, you know, selling exclusively natively on uh, on Instagram checkout for for all we know, right? And so I think we're really on the brink of a revolution, and uh, it's a very exciting wave to be surfing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is. There's there's just. I mean, it's almost it's almost daunting. There's also, I mean, it's exciting yeah. because there's so many new things that can happen. And I can imagine mm -hmm. as a platform, you guys, there's so much to keep up on, right? Because especially absolutely. with all the platforms and features and things. It's like, man, we got to change this and tweak this and do this differently because they're doing things a little differently. I do have a lot more questions for Vivian, but we're going to have to wrap up the episode here. We're short on time. We'll continue the conversation on the next episode. So stay tuned to the Marketing Growth Podcast.